What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Cheryl, back with a brand new episode of the Shades of Strong podcast, where we're doing our part to support Black women in freeing themselves from the burden of being strong by creating safe and sacred spaces for them to uncape, unmask, and unhide so that they can be whatever shade of strong that feels right for them. If this is your first time tuning in, hey, girl, hey, thanks for allowing me into the sacred space that is your life. And if you've been here for a while, welcome back, sis. Thank you for letting me hang out with you on your drive to work and while you're doing the dishes or while you're just simply being whatever the case may be. Thank you for bringing me along. I know how we've been doing for this season. So now without further ado, I would like to introduce you to the greatness that is today's guest, the gorgeous, the fearless, the one and only Sasha Nicole, and yes, that is her real name. (laughs) (laughs) Clap, 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 clap. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Listen, I saw that on your website, and I thought that was so funny, because when I saw Sasha, the first thing I thought was Sasha Pierce. Everybody seems to get it twisted. They think that I bit Beyonce, but no, honey, no, it is critically acclaimed and born to me. (laughs) Yes. So, hey, Sasha, what's up? What's happening? How are all the things girl how are you today I am you know what I am doing okay today uh, it has just been it's just been a, a crazy ride these past few weeks but I'm definitely I'm, I'm here and I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to have you here but before we go and dive into the juiciness that is today's topic Tasha, uh, Sasha I almost said Tasha Sasha I want to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about yourself who you are, what you do, what sets your soul on fire. Absolutely. So again, I am Sasha Nicole. I like to consider myself your accountability partner, accountability coach, because my mission is to assist others, more specifically moms, but you know, women in general and living a healed and whole life while honing in on what truly makes you happy. So I really try to teach how to be more confident and courageous. I do that with different courses, motivational videos, coaching, doing various speeches. I've been in the mental health wellness industry. I've been a mental health advocate for a little over 10 years. I survived really severe postpartum depression, also thrive currently with a mental health condition. And so my objective is to really uh, destigmatize the, just the subject of mental health in general, the fact of not being afraid to, to admit that I have a mental health issue, you know, just really um, having the necessary conversations and trying to create the community in the safe spaces where we can do so and just help other women along uh, in this journey of healing because we all need to definitely heal. Mental health is so important just for people in general, but for the Black female community, we need to have so many conversations around that because it is still stigmatized. So we are so appreciative of the work that you are doing in, in that field. It is it's much needed. So for you guys, if you caught the trailer or if you have listened to any episodes for for season five, you know that this season is all about shining a shining a light on black women who are daring to do life differently. Black women who are deliberately and intentionally giving up a life of caping, masking, and hiding in exchange for a life of playing Eve. And we are doing that by way of our My Strong Is 
campaign. Hence why Sasha Nicole is gracing us with her presence today. But before I pass the mic to her, if you are listening to this episode and you want to be a part of the campaign, you can find information about it on our website at shadesofstrong.com. Or you can just hit us up on your favorite social media platform and tag us in whatever your strong is using the hashtags MyStrongIs and Shades of Strong. Having said all of that, Sasha, I want to start the conversation with you sharing with our listeners what your strong is. So please do me the honor of repeating and completing my strong is. My strong is resiliency. I believe that my strength is really being resilient. When I originally asked you, when you replied to the email resilience, I was, I'm going to be completely honest. I was a little taken back. And I say that because the Black woman's bounce back game is impeccable. We have this thing where we can bounce back from pretty much anything. But because resilience is sometimes used to dehumanize us and ignore our pain, I feel like some of us bounce back to the detriment of our own mental and emotional well-being. Does any of that resonate with you? Or are you just this resilient person and you got it going on? I want to say a little bit of both. I'd like to consider myself just resilient and got it going on, but it definitely, there there were some, some, some setbacks that led me to some comebacks to get to that place of having it going on. And so I, I think that, you know, resiliency, just as you said, I think it can be used in a variety of different ways. It, it definitely can be used to, to diminish and dismiss you know, women, especially Black women. Uh, But I also think that we have to reframe the conversation around being resilient because resiliency is also being able to overcome our own obstacles and taking accountability for our own choices that we've actually made as well. And so I I say that as an example of uh, part of my resiliency is I've overcome more being morbidly obese for pretty much most of my life. And there is a resiliency that comes in that and being able to control my food addiction. And, you know, so there are, there are levels to when I use resilience in saying that, yes, I've had to be resilient because, you know, I have been dismissed or I've, I've you know, had some setbacks or I've had some things that categorize this, you know, in, in terms of how Black women are viewed. But a lot of my resiliency has been being able to bounce back from some of the own decisions that I've made within my life and being mm-hmm. able to have a, a victorious story rather than a tragic story. In the moments where you feel like maybe you had to be resilient, do you think it impacted your mental and emotional well-being? And if it did, what did that look like for you? And how did you move out of that space? Absolutely. I mean, there have been moments I've had to be resilient just as a mother in general because of relationships that I've been in, the relationship that I was in with, with her father. It was definitely a situation where it's like there are choices that you have to make, not just as a woman, but as a mom when you have children where you have to, you know, think about this decision that is impacting a life that didn't ask to be here. And so there were definitely moments and situations that I've been in where it impacted me tremendously, emotionally, financially, physically, being in, in, in domestic violence situations, like all of these different things and being able to be resilient through those obstacles, some of which I chose and turned the side eye to because I thought that, as you mentioned so eloquently in, in bringing in the, the podcast about caping, right? I definitely am a cape wearer. I have, my father used to say, I'm a proud, caring member of the platinum sucker card. 
<laughs> and so he used to say that to me, like, man, you sure love your sucker card. And he used to say I was a platinum member. Man, I used to cape. And, and when you are have been so accustomed to caping, especially for others and not for yourself, like you, you do become very familiar with those type of situations and having to, you know, take that cape off and, and the impact that that has on you is tremendous because it is a forever thing. When, you, when you've when you embedded that type of uh, action into your being, it is very hard to get it out. Absolutely. For most of us, if we find ourselves in this space where we're being hyper resilient, that's not something that happened to us overnight. There is some issue in our life that led us to this space where we feel like we have to be resilient. And in my case, it, it had to do with some unresolved trauma from childhood. And so I was at this space in my life where I'm, I'm not going to depend on anybody to do anything for me. If I fall down, then I'm going to pick myself back up. So would you agree that a vast majority of Black women have a similar story where they are forced into this role of hyper-resilience? I would agree that in many cases, there are a lot of Black women who are forced to be hyper-resilient from a variety of different situations, especially stemming from trauma, stemming from abuse, stemming from sexual, I mean, Black women um, are have high numbers of sexual assault. You know, there's so many different variances that we could talk about where we're forced to be hyper-resilient. I also think within that, that we don't shine the light on uh, enough is also is not only just acknowledging those incidents. A lot, a lot of times we like to um, go through fires and pretend that we didn't get burned and we keep putting that bandaid on and we use the resiliency as a way to just wear the cape and to keep going. But I like to reframe it in a way of using the resiliency to not only acknowledge, but to also take accountability for the, for the parts that you contributed in, not for the things that you couldn't control. You know, being abused, being neglected is not something that was your fault. It's not something that you can control, but you can acknowledge that those things exist and that they happen and that you don't have to ignore them. And then for the things that you do have choices over as an adult, I use the resiliency as a way, like, how can I be resilient over the choice, take accountability over the choices that I've made to where I am today. Because similar to you, as a child, I had a lot of childhood trauma that happened to me, but I used that as an excuse for many years of my life to have very poor actions and decisions. And so that was something I had to change. When you say I use it as an excuse, what, what does that look like? What it looked like is if you've ever met someone and you just asked yourself, damn, like, why are they so angry? Like, why, you know, like, what is wrong? You know, like, it, it, it could just be a beautiful day, but I mean, it could be nine o'clock in the morning when you talk to that person, they are just angry. They are upset. They are sad constantly. And so for me, when I say I use that as an excuse, I used it as a way to be not only cruel to others, but cruel to myself, to devalue myself, to, you know, I was a very angry person for some time in my life where I just was, I was in such pain. I was really in pain over a lot of the things that I felt like I was, that I couldn't control and that I felt resentful for, that I was angry at my life. I was angry at God. I felt like, why would mm -hmm. these things happen to me as a child? Like, so there were so many different things that I used to make excuses for my poor behavior and how I treated myself and how I treated others because I was angry at my circumstances. I feel like it's, it's all intertwined. Sometimes we are not aware and even to be aware, you have to know that you have some unresolved issues. 
that needs your attention. But I want to back up to where you talked about that you survived severe postpartum depression, because I think it's safe to say that perhaps that contributed to your strong being resilient because you got through that, whereas so many people don't. So can we talk about what the, the postpartum depression looked like and how you moved through it? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. For me, my postpartum experience was unique in the way of during that time, like I had never seen a Black woman talk about um, having postpartum. I hadn't even, I don't think heard the word postpartum depression, let alone seen visually someone proclaiming that they had this experience and to the point of wanting to harm their child. And so for me, I had thought of actually wanting to harm my child, of wanting to to do various things to her, wanting her to die, not having a connection, not wanting to, to for her to touch me or me to touch her. My thoughts ranged. I definitely was maybe one step away from postpartum psychosis, which is typically what happens when a woman acts out on the thoughts that she's having towards the children or she acts out on thoughts that she's having towards herself. So going through that, especially alone, like not having any support or a group or anything that could relate to me was a was a very hard experience to 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 definitely to go through and to not even understand or know what was really going on and being afraid. I was very afraid to talk about this experience that I was having because I didn't want to be seen as a bad person, as a bad mother. I didn't want the cops or social services to come and take my child away. It, it, I just didn't know what to do, to be quite frank, because I knew that the thoughts that I was having, I knew that they weren't normal. I knew that the, they weren't thoughts that I wanted to have, but they were thoughts that I wasn't really able to control. Wow. That just really hits me because so many women suffer from postpartum depression. And like you were saying, like a lot of times they don't even recognize that this is what it is. And then there's so much guilt and shame attached to it that they don't even want to share with a person that they are struggling with this. And so they they suffer in silence because there's so much shame attached to it. And so we go through life and we're struggling with anxiety. And depression, and rather than us recognizing that this is what it is, as Black women, we think that we're failing. I remember when my daughter gave birth to her daughter, she went through postpartum depression, and she really honestly thought that she was failing as a parent. Number one, because she couldn't breastfeed. She couldn't get enough milk to breastfeed her baby like she wanted to. And so she went through postpartum depression, with, but she didn't recognize that that's what it was. I recognized that's what it was, so I was able to support her in it. But a lot of women don't even recognize that this is what's happening to them. I had no clue. I just knew that I was having some crazy thoughts and I didn't know what to do with them. And I would just cry and I would just ask God to please remove these thoughts from my head. Because every time I would walk past the steps or look at a wall, I thought about throwing her against it. And it it was just something that, like, how do you tell somebody that and them not look at you like you're crazy? And or, or or say something to you off the wall and, and make you feel like you're a terrible person. And so I had no clue that this was the, what was happening to me emotionally and, and just all of the, the things that were, were just going on within my body that was taking place. And so, and I didn't, when I finally did say something, the response was like, you need to just get over it. You're not the only mother in the world. 
And so a lot of times, like, especially within the Black community, and when we talk about, when I say I want to destigmatize these type of conversations is because you usually, you go to one of your Black family members and you say, I'm having thoughts like this. Oftentimes they're going to be like, you know what? Like, it's just not something that you bring up to say something like that. I do think that we're getting much better as a community to have these type of conversations and to provide a support system for our, for our family, for our, just our, our people in general, which is something that, you know, we really lost the social fabric of our community where we used to gather around one another. But I do think that it is improving because there are more conversations being had. But for me, it was like, you're not the only mother in the world. You need to get over. That was what was said to me. And so that was very hard because, well, what am I supposed to do now? And then, like I said, I'm afraid to say something to the doctor. And when I finally did, it was some time where I said, I'm, and I didn't even go into detail with what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. I just told the doctor, I just felt uncontrollable emotionally and I felt really down. And that was when I learned uh, the word postpartum depression. And the first response was just to write me an antidepressant. But I, that, that wasn't the right thing to do from the doctor's end. It definitely should have been more of a conversation. It should have been more informational therapy should have been brought up. An antidepressant is definitely a means for someone who had um, it as severe as I did, I'm not going to take that away. But there was just, there was more protocol to go through when a woman is, is, is declaring that this is an experience that she's having. In that, you mentioned that you are using the power of resilience to help destigmatize mental illness and the fear surrounding mental illness. How exactly are you doing that? So an example would be like being resilient enough to to be vulnerable and admit. So when I said thriving with a mental health condition, like I, I suffer from anxiety and depression and I take an antidepressant. Again, that's not something like we talk about a lot in terms of like, you can tell somebody you're feeling down, but we don't usually get to the point where we tell somebody we're taking a pill. And so for me, it, it's, it's showing that despite some of these experiences that I'm having and that I feel or that maybe my that that's not functioning in the way that it should from a hormonal level I'm still able to be resilient enough to overcome that and thrive and still do things that bring me joy that still do things that I want to do that don't make me you know any less uh, normal than than somebody else or that I, I'm not capable of doing something because I may take an antidepressant because people have it, mis they have it confused. They think mm -hmm. that this pill is something that's just going to make you happy and it does not. That is not how it works. And when you take an antidepressant, it does not instantaneously take your mood from a zero to a 10. Try cocaine. <laughs> that, that, that is not. Stop it. <laughs> That is not, don't try it for real, Please but, don't. Um, but no, but seriously, that is not how it works. It, it right. is not, it is a tool. It is a, a resource to, to help moderate your mood and emotions to try to, to try to bring you to an even keel level and not just be in such a pit hole that you can't pull yourself out of, but it doesn't, it doesn't fix anything. It doesn't make the situation that you might be going through go away. It doesn't make you stop crying. It doesn't make you, you know, from unhappy to happy or from sad to glad. Like that's not what it does. It just helps provide a better resource for you to better be able to control some of those emotions and be able to not stay in that place for as long as you might without it. And so that, again, it's just that, that there's this 
misconception about about this and about who needs it or why you or why you should you know potentially maybe get on one or why you need therapy and these are the conversations that I try to have to explain to people that it's okay and that you can still be able to to accomplish and do anything it is that you're trying to do just because you may be dealing with anxiety with OCD with depression with maybe you had PTSD from something like you're still able to to be resilient through anything through that experience. I love that you talk about the medication because like you were saying, a lot of times we're ashamed to tell people that we, we need this pill to make it through the day. Thank you for bringing that up because there is no shame in needing some additional support, even when that additional support comes in the form of therapy or an antidepressant, if that's what you need to get through the day or the week, or the month, or, or the year, or however, however long you need it, then that's what you need. And there, there's no shame in needing some some extra support outside of church or your family. Absolutely. How are you using resilience to create space for play and ease in your life? Because like I said, this season is all about just saying, fuck that cape, and let's play. Let's relax, and let's breathe and connect. So how are you using your strong to create space for that? I'm using my strong to create space and figuring out what brings me joy and being able to do just whatever the fuck I want to do. Like just, you know, regardless of what that looks like. So if that means that I have a dream that I want to go to law school, God damn it, I'm going to go to law school. I'm using it to not allow me to, to be in fear or to stop myself from anything that I can muster up that I may want to do. And I think a lot of times we can fool ourselves into believing that there's something that we can't do or we're too old or maybe it's not going to work. And it is a struggle. It's something that I struggle with daily because, you know, there's so many different things that I want to try and that I want to accomplish. And It takes a lot of consistency and just a lot of work in general, but I use that as motivation to just to create that, that force that I need to be consistent and to just, and to find the things like, who am I, right? Like, you ask somebody that there's so many times where they're like, they got to think about it, especially moms. You ask a mom and everything that she is, is based upon the child most of the time. So, you know. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. So it's like you know, discovering like, what does that look like for me? What does healing look like for me? What is, mm-hmm. what are my emotions telling me? Because a lot of times, you know, emotions are giving us information. They are telling us something that we need to hear and be able to utilize for something, you know, better. And and so that's how I'm using it to try to, you know, take that cape off and to, to just create a space where, you know, that is about me, that is for me and about me. I love that you say you're finding out what, for lack of a better word, sparks joy (laughs) in your life. So what, if you could have a day to do nothing but play, what would that day look like for you? Walk us through it. Paint us a really vivid picture of what a day of play. I I mean, no work involved, no parenting involved. We send it, we send the baby girl to babysitter or or sister or brother or somebody but just a day of play for Sasha Nicole what would that look like for you oh man the first thing I'm gonna do I'm gonna wake up I'm gonna listen to a motivational video I'm going to uh, read maybe a a short passage from one of my favorite books or a book that I haven't read I'm gonna look at my vision board and and repeat everything on my vision board I'm gonna speak some affirmations I'm going to take a bath with bubbles and candles and music. 
probably going to, if I, if I've already hopefully can get one, I'm going to get an acupuncture appointment so I can just be able to have an opportunity to just meditate and create some aura around my central nervous system, because that's what acupuncture helps to do. I'm going to take myself to the movies because believe it or not, it seems so silly, but I love going to the movies by myself. Like Mm -hmm. I love the whole experience. I get the popcorn, the icy, all of that. Like I just, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I like it a lot and it makes me happy. So I'm doing things like that. I'm probably going to try to ground myself in some sort of like nature way in terms of, I've really gotten into lately when they talk about taking your shoes off and really putting and planting your feet in soil and like feeling that, feeling the ground, feeling the earth. I'm going to do some things like that. I'm going to go to probably a fancy restaurant that I really like or that I haven't tried. And I'm going to try something, have a drink. And then I, I'm just going to just try to continuously like pour into me, like find what else can I do? Like I love candles. So a lot of times you'll see me trying to find like different candles and different scents because I'm into different scents things like that. That's going to, that's what the day would probably look like for me. I'm going to close it out with some wine and I'm just going to try to do everything where it doesn't. And and some of these things don't even involve having to spend money. Some of them do, but there's a lot of things that you can do um, to, to just play, to just live, to breathe, to relax. That doesn't involve you having to necessarily buy something or be something for someone else that is just really planted in in being in being yourself and discovering you know what that looks like. I may go to the gun range, like it's like I'm just gonna be shooting through the breeze, like yes. <laughs> yes. Well, we gotta have a day like that where we could just play all day long, no worries, just play. So, how will your strong continue to to evolve? Like, what are you actively doing to ensure that you are consistently and deliberately doing strong differently? You know, for me to continuously evolve means that I have to continuously acknowledge like the new lessons of, of, of healing that I have to go through and sitting in those feelings of that pain. You know, a lot of times I've thought that I've gotten through a trigger, I've gotten through something that, you know, um, that once caused me a lot of pain and then I'll be like, oh, I'm great. I'm healed. I'm good. I'll, I'll, I'll take my therapy appointments from, you know, every two weeks or every week to every three weeks to a month, like I'm doing fine. And then all of a sudden something will happen and I'll realize I'm not fine. (laughs) So the consistency of knowing, like acknowledging that, that this journey is never over, that it is always evolving. And so how I continue to do that is really honestly acknowledging and realizing that and then taking the steps uh, to try to keep evolving in that, to try to keep accomplishing the tasks that I have to do to like, so when I have a day where I'm just like, I just can't do this today. It's instead of me, um, what I try to do is reprogram that thought and, and acknowledge that I'm having a day today. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so I may sit in how I feel, but then I'm going to think about, so what is something that I can do today? Even if it's like, just listening to my favorite song, what is, what is some sort of movement or action can I make uh, in, in the betterment of, of myself? And so that is how I will try to continue to use my strong is just movement, is just making movement in a way that is positive and that is constructive for myself and hopefully for others and, and helping them as well. I gotta say, Sasha, this conversation it's been everything. It really and truly have people are going to listen to this and they're going to know that 
Sasha Nicole came out on the other side of this. That means I can too. Although it may look differently for me, but she came through it and so can I. So thank you so much for being so transparent and sharing your journey with us. Before we wrap it up, if you could sum it all up, what is the, if you don't get anything else, you need to get this message you want to want our listeners to take away from our conversation today? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, if you don't get nothing else, and I hope that you can get something from today is to know that um, you are capable and that it is okay to be in pain. It is okay to acknowledge that you are in pain. And I want to just drive home those words of acknowledgement and accountability. So if you didn't hear nothing else, listen to those two words, acknowledge where you are, acknowledge what you are feeling. And if there is any part of that acknowledgement that requires you to take accountability for where you are, do so, so that you can move to the next phase, to the next lesson, to the next just journey in general, because until you do so, life will continue to look very similar in different ways. And so that is, you know, something that I would, I would say, like, if you could take away anything, take away that. Wow. Can I just repeat very similar in different ways? Girl, what? (laughs) Yes. I love that. Y'all heard what she said. If you do not do the work in a nutshell what she said (laughs) life will look very similar in different ways that is so powerful so so powerful okay girl so I should be saying stuff I hear you (laughs) (laughs) I got a little something up in me so before I let you go a short but impactful message to your younger self and then tell us how old she is hmm Short but impactful message to myself. Younger self. Younger self. Never speak against yourself. You speak when you speak sin against yourself when you speak against yourself. I would say definitely my teenage into like young adulthood years that would that would probably apply. You know, when we when we get into these habits of like, you know, damn, that was stupid or my stupid mm-hmm. ass or oh my, my big gosh. ass, yes. you know, my we have these habits yes. that we do that we talk to ourselves in, in a way. And, and if anybody sometimes is cruel to you, oftentimes it's yourself. Yep. She is the word. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going get, to get ready to wrap it up. But before we do that, I want you to tell us to um, where we can find you in the online space if listeners need to connect with you. Or do you have any events or some services coming up that, sh- that you feel like our listeners may benefit from? I have an ebook um, that's currently out that you go to my website, fearlessinfluence.com. That's influence without the I uh, that you can, it's only $7. It's a great read. I really go into more detail about the overcoming and, and just being resilient in general. But I also have some courses that are going to be launching very soon. So that's something that uh, you could definitely be part of when that launches. I'm not shooting for the moon in terms of trying to charge them three, $400 type of courses, but Uh, Definitely something very reasonable. And then I also have a Facebook group that's specifically dedicated for moms um, that, you know, just provides a lot of feedback and conversation in a safe space. And if you are a a woman or know a woman who may have experienced postpartum depression, I have a nonprofit, 501c3, that's dedicated specifically to women of color to help them through postpartum depression. And that is partumevolution.org. 
And I will have all of this information listed in the show notes of this episode, along with the links where you can just click. You don't have to try and remember it. Just click it. And if you feel like this is what you need in your life, then absolutely go forward. Anything else before we shut it on down, Sasha? No, I think that's about it. I thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. And uh, I appreciate all of the listeners and hope that this could can be impactful to everybody. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for hanging out with Sasha and myself. As I mentioned earlier, if you want to be a part of the My Strong Is campaign, hit us up on your on your favorite social media platform using the hashtags My Strong Is and Shades of Strong. All right, we are out of here. Thank you.